This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Welcome to Beyond the Arc. My name is Kevin O'Connor, and I am here in beautiful Las Vegas at NBA Summer League. This is my Coachella. I am fired up to be here. We have a big show today with J. Kyle Mann, Tate Frazier, Wazzy Lambre, talking about NBA Summer League, the offseason, the draft, looking ahead to next season. Let's get to it. We saw Portland have a 100 to 99 thrilling win. Jabari Smith hitting a game winning buzzer beater three pointer with 0.6 on the clock. Sprints down the floor afterwards. He celebrates in front of our boss, Bill Simmons. <laughs> the game was awesome. The Rocket side of things, they win that game. Jabari Smith had 33 points. We see Amen Thompson. Let's talk about him first. 16 points of 6 of 13, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Amen Thompson, number four pick in the draft. What were your first impressions of seeing him with this young Rockets core? Uh, he had sort of a, like a Sean Marion-y kind of a like length of the stat sheet kind of a thing. You know, he's I was really impressed. A lot of things translated. You and I had this conversation over the course of the year about, like, okay, what, what's the pitch for Amen Thompson? The, the pitch is probably going to be able to get into the lane at, at will. Very wiggly, can change directions. He, he's flexible, full body flexibility. And the thing about that separates him from other guys with his athletic athleticism is once he gets into the into the lane he has a really good access to angles passing angles I, I was the left-handed finish that he had on the right side of the basket is a perfect was, example he, he's, he's done he's had that one in his bag for a while but he'll put you in this weird stretched out position yeah and then he he surprises you with that lefty finish mm-hmm. it's kind of unorthodox because he can righty finish there I was really impressed Kev with like just he had a couple interior kind of dump offs, sprays back out to the opposite, you know, to the weak side. I think he forecasted the things that he is going to provide for them. Uh, in, in addition to being competitive on the defensive end, it, this this scenario really showcased, I think, a lot of the things that are are the pitch for him, and, and they translate it, which is encouraging. I think. You mentioned his competitive defense. On one hand, I was sad every time we saw Scoot and Ahmed matched up, and then they switched the screen. <laughs> on the other hand, we got to see Ahmed Thompson fighting like hell on those switches against bigger players. Mm-hmm. And I thought with his size, six seven, with length, and obviously his otherworldly athleticism, the toughness more than anything else was impressive to me on some of those switches against bigger players that were screening against him that's what he's going to have to do with Houston you got a team that is kind of built to be super switchable Jabari Smith of course they have Cam Whitmore they have so many kind of these big wing type of players that have different playing styles but all of them on defense I would expect to be heavily switchable Amen Thompson I thought he was excellent 
on defense. He did everything that he had to do for that team. Yeah, he's disruptive. I mean, like again, the body type. It's he's crisscrossing sort of a lot of different. We talk a lot about like how Matisse Thybulle can like you know contest out to the three point line, cl- close gaps cl- quickly with his closeouts, fly in, disrupt lobs, things like that. Slink around screens. Being difficult to screen is a really important thing because um, you know it, it, it's just a way that teams can create separation. And if you want to. You know, if you want to be switchable, I think that body type is going to be really helpful for that type, you know, that style of thing. He's he projects as a connector and, and exactly what we, what we talked about, like a connector on offense and a guy who can switch on, on defense. We did get to see a couple scoot um, in t- head to heads. I think scoot made like a like an 18 footer step back on him and you could kind of see scoot being like, mm-hmm. told you, you know, there was like a fun energy yeah, between a them. Bit of reaction. <laughs> yeah, you can tell yeah. he's feeling good about himself in that moment. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun. I wish we'd like you said it. Scoot obviously left the game. As with, did I, man. Yeah, yeah. Scoot, Scoot with the shoulder injury. We as of Saturday recording, we don't know with the MRI if he's you know what the seriousness of it is. Odds are he's going to be out. That's what I would expect. Amen Thompson as well had the ankle issue that he left the game with, so we didn't get to see those guys finish, unfortunately. But both of them kind of did all the things that we anticipated from them. I I don't think we necessarily saw anything new from Amen. It was just nice to see him perform. And same thing with Scoot Henderson. He had 15 points on 5 of 13, 6 assists, 2 turnovers. He hit some pull-up jumpers to start. I believe he had his first three, then he missed a handful after that. It was just a solid Scoot and Henderson game. We've saw this for two years with the Ignite, and more than anything else, he just seemed like maybe the most composed pick-and-roll playmaker that I've seen in the summer league in a long time which is no surprise considering his actual professional experience for two years now yeah yeah tate was talking about how he he looked like a seasoned veteran i was like he he looks like that way because he is that way he's been (laughs) playing against nba schemes for two years now we talked about he was a little bit more tertiary secondary off the ball with like bochamp and hardy and dyson daniels and then he moves on ball in year two and it has more of the primary role but he's been seeing these looks he's ready and I, i honestly i think in terms of like the age range and the types of defenses he's seeing and, and just sort of the problem solving, he's familiar with it. So I, I think some of the some of the acclimation that has to go on, we saw like Brandon Miller come out of the gate like the first night or, you know, the first games he was playing. It was like, it was a little wobbly. It was a little weird, you know, it was a little inefficient. Uh, and then, but Scoot just shot out of a cannon. He was ready to go. Like he didn't have to acclimate. He was like, hey guys, I've been here. Like I, there is no adjusting. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go out of the box, you know. My favorite play that he made was, a you know, a drive down the basket. I believe it was a right-handed loop pass from underneath the rim to Chris Murray in the corner for a three. Murray was solid. It wasn't like, you know, a spectacular game, 10 points, hit that corner three. Watching the game, though, you know, the people I was sitting with, we were talking, there's just no way Scoot and Dame are going to be able to play together they could play together like they could coexist right like two smaller guards two six two guys but scoots at his best with the ball in his hands dame is at his best with the ball in his hands and if the blazers were to keep damian lillard into training camp try to make this ugly try to get the best offer that they can I think with those two guys, like, yes, you get a mentor in Dame. He's going to do what a veteran should do. But on the court, I, I, just, I just don't even think it's for the best for Scoot's development. I think he'd be better off getting get that freedom to kind of just run the show with all the other young, talented players that they have. Like, what are your feelings on on kind of Scoot? Did that cross your mind at all watching those games? I think it, you can look at it in just the, the Scoot-Dame dynamic, but you have to zoom out and take everything else into consideration. At that point, you're going to have four guys that are on the floor like that you want to play a lot. You're going to start talking about not starting sharp not starting anthony simons that type of thing the three-headed monster of the of the simon sharp and scoot thing mm. 
is going to be very fun. Like, I, I, like, ter- like long term, I think it's going to inter- like maybe pose some roster questions we can talk about. But the scoot, you know, the scoot. What are those roster questions? I, I think that it implies. I, I made this argument in a video I did about scoot. I finally got out my like my like eval dive on scoot. Martin put it Scorsese, year <laughs> Irishman. Yeah, yeah. It was start. <laughs> I was joking. I was like, it was starting to become the Guns and Roses album, the Chinese Democracy. I was like, this thing's finally going to come out and stink. I don't want to like people talking about it for too long. Ver- uh, Verno <laughs> used to have a line with our podcast. He says, "It's not born to run." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, but my thing with him is that like I do think the three of those guys, while fun, sometimes you'll have these young cores that in the short mm-hmm. term will be like, man, this is a blast. But long term, you do have to kind of level up and start asking different questions. I always compare it to like the company culture thing. You always have the startup, the fun times where it's like, you know, people are having beers at their desk and, you know, going and having luau's on Friday. But at some point, you got to be serious about like becoming a real a real entity that is trying to achieve and you know so it's like for the trailblazers i think eventually if you wanted to and this is me just you know spitballing with you here back and forth i mean to me it seems like they would have to have big time switchability big time like uh mistake coverers you know mistake erasers on the back end maybe that could be jeremy grant i think you'd have to have a pretty great rim protector behind those three guys if you wanted to keep them together what do you think about that with you're talking just simply scoot simon's sharp yes those three together super fun but defensively i think it's going to be an issue to have three guys that size on the court yeah i think at some point you know obviously you trade damn at some point that happens at some point i also think you trade simons and so that would distill it down to scoot and sharp and sharp's got some size to him has a bit of fight on defense we'll see how he develops over time there scoot henderson six two he gets attacked you know you detailed it you know very well on your video about how sometimes he kind of just i don't know doesn't close out hard he goes through phases where he's just the effort intensity isn't there but then you see him kind of locking in in a stance against Ahmed thompson ready to go when he locks in he can be really tough and as part of a collective defensive unit with a ton of versatility and a great rim protector that you're talking about i think scoot could be could fare very well on defense as part of that type of atmosphere and situation that they could be part of in the future but for portland i also think your point about them having a great rim protector also applies to offense too like having someone who can be that downhill vertical threat would be perfect with scoot henderson in the years to come mm-hmm. like kind of like how russell westbrook granted steven adams isn't the most vertical guy but he's an awesome screener a great finisher at the basket scoots downhill attacking would pair well with that type of player construct so with them maybe yusuf nurkic can kind of be like a, a c minus version of that or a d plus mm-hmm. version of that for his first year in his career and then in the years to come you find an, an upgrade over him which isn't hard to do so I think for Portland, you know, I, th- I think they're in a position now where you're kind of just in the early stages. It's a question for down the line that you're talking about with the Sharp, Simon, Scoot trio. And where they are now, like, I like their young players. They're kind, they're kind of developing. They have Jeremy Grant still under contract. They just re-signed him. Yes, they do. <laughs> Chris Murray, five-year deal. Chris Murray solid two-way player as well they're building out kind of the foundation at this point now it's just about maximizing that return for Damian Lillard whether it's this summer whether it's to Miami whether it's to a surprise team or whether it's dragging this into the season and trying to get a better offer in January or February or even waiting until next summer so we'll see how that kind of plays out for them this episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime 
You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. On the Houston side of things, I think what they're building as well is kind of... I mentioned earlier all their rangy wings. That's what you're sort of envisioning for Scoot with Portland, with all the guys that they had. We saw Tari Eason have 20 points, 10 rebounds. Jabari Smith, 33 points after iffy first half was amazing in the second half. Hit the game winner, yeah. Jabari Smith's stock going up. Still early to buy after for a lot of people thought he had an underwhelming rookie year. I thought the quote he had after the game was, I mean, it's a great mindset to have. Uh, You know, why would I not be playing summer league? I'm 20 years old. It's my second year. We stunk last season. Uh, like yeah he should be playing and he looked great i thought his progress was was pretty apparent i I love that you mentioned the thing about his quote after the game because that speaks to a broader thing that i think a lot about with summer league you know every year that we do this and come in and out of this is that like it's just such an opportunity i last night on on ringer nba show i talked about how this is this is the on ball leap lab this is where guys go to develop on ball skills and it's just such i think it's just such a mistake to pass up on it when young guys do and like it was just refreshing like I heard somebody make the comment that this could be like a sort of a foreshadow of like the culture shifting around the summer league, which I hope that it is like, I hope we can get away from this. My player checkpoint career checkpoint thing of like, well, in year two, you got to be, you got to be on the sideline in a bucket hat and your best fit cheering on your team, because that shows that you have hit the mark and you're going to get that max extension at some point or whatever it is. It's like, no, man, this is an opportunity to grow. And you're right about Jabari, like Jabari, that was the huge ding, like on him. It's just we were just like, this guy's way too upright. He's not ready to play on ball, and that like guys can get under him. He's not any, you know. He struggled last year. They struggled to produce open shots, point blank, full stop. And I thought um, it was great. Like I, I thought he looked great last night, and he was really resilient. He competes on defense. He's a guy. I think it kind of poses some questions about if you looked at how they performed. It poses some questions and with the guys that they signed about like who do you keep around? Who do you who do you maybe parlay for something else? Is Jalen Green in that conversation? What, what I mean, what do you think it does for him like in terms of like their their schematic in terms of what they're Nothing. doing? You don't think so? No, why not? Why would it? I'm curious about your thoughts there. Like why do you ask? If Jabari's gonna develop on ball, I just it, it makes you look at the pieces they have and I'm just like is there redundancy there? We talked We talked about before. I think Jalen Green is at his best in a hybrid role, though, where he's on ball and off ball. Jalen Green, his best skill probably at this moment is kind of off ball shooting, movement, cutting. He's an amazing lob threat. With Jalen Green, it's the kind of the on ball feel that's had to develop with him. So I think with, you know, Rafael Stone, that front office hiring Ime Odoka, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how what you, Odoka did in Boston could translate to Houston, where they had so many different sources of offense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's Al Horford, DHO. Sometimes it's Tatum. Sometimes it's Brown. Like whoever it might have been in the guard, the backcourt, Marcus Smart. They ran at so many different offense in the half court to generate 
points with Houston, like it was just a mess. And now I wonder if we'll see that type of thing where sometimes it's Shen Goon. Sometimes it is Jabari Smith. It's going to be Amen Thompson a lot. Sometimes it'll be Amen Thompson as a screener, kind of playmaking out of the short role maybe. So I, I think with Houston, that's where I, I, I look forward to seeing Jalen Green develop in this type of offensive ecosystem where it's coming from him sometimes and then a lot of the other times he's playing off of somebody else. So like personally, I'm higher on Jalen Green in this kind of Rockets you know, situation now with Amen Thompson there and with Jabari Smith's progress. But like push back against me now. Like you, you seem to think that maybe Jalen Green could kind of kind of fade a little bit in this no, situation. No, not necessarily. Now? Not necessarily. I, I, I think it's more of a it's more of a question of some, sometimes you get in these discussions when you're talking about moving pieces, and they'll be like, okay, it's this instead of this. It's like no, it's just like sometimes there's a choice that might sting a little bit if you move it, but it's gonna it's gonna move you forward ultimately. You know, I, I don't want to use the OKC example because they actually did the opposite of what they should have did when they had a young trio where it was like, okay, we need to do this. Maybe more for money concerns, like they moved. Harden when they should have kept kept Harden, you know, that kind of a thing. But when you have a young trio, sometimes they've just accumulated so many assets. And you you know, I talked about before the draft, I was wondering about like how the stack of like rangy athletic guys that you were saying is to their credit, like it's a superlative that they have all those guys. I was like, where are the minutes going to be for Cam Whitmore? Well, they got off of Kenyon Martin Jr., things like that. They're just figuring it out. Both of these teams... Both of these teams next year are going to be really fun, I think, at times. Like when I think about Shingun um, sort of being a traffic cop or just like, a, you know, an air traffic controller with a lot of these athletes, he's the fun catalyst piece to this for me when I think about it. Like I would have loved to have seen him in this setting. Um, Shingun, I think his passing could just kind of be more fleshed out there's there are more options for him I just think it could be it could be more sane this year because they added passers they added athleticism uh the rock both of these teams are going to be bad next year still most likely but in a competitive west but uh they still have just a ton of questions to answer so Jabari Smith hits the the buzzer beater and the crowd goes crazy how did that pass get to him I don't, I don't know. know that was like an optical illusion it, it was unbelievable from <laughs> from my angle I like I was like kind of behind the inbounder and I thought from my angle like oh no way I said out loud and then he catches it turns hits it. It was unbelievable. To, that was like, uh, I love Summer League moment. This is Summer League at its best. And then you're all standing. You're feeling good. You're like, Wemby's coming out. He's warming up. He's missing layups, missing shots and warm-ups. <laughs> and you're kind of like, hmm, you know, kind of like that workout video with the Spurs. And then the game starts and what we witnessed was a absolutely boring Summer League game. 76 76- 68 Spurs victory with Victor Wembanyama going out there and scoring nine points on one of seven from two point range, one of six from three point range, eight rebounds, three assists, five blocks. Very good defensively. It was a plus four in the game. But overall, Kyle, after that Jabari Smith buzzer beater to get that Spurs Hornets game. What a bummer. <laughs> it really was, right? It was, a, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a fart sound kind of an outcome <laughs> compared to what we were excited about. I mean, like the energy in the gym uh, was really crazy. Like, uh, I thought it the, carry. I thought it would continue throughout the game. Also, a nice, it, it was, a, there was a nice needle drop too. I don't know if anybody else kind of felt that. It was like when he came out, the, the hip hop hooray song came on and it was like perfectly timed. Not that that was like the hippest song for the moment, but it was, it was like, it just had a, like a cinematic thing when he came out. Everybody in the gym. Jim was like, all right, like this is exciting. And for, I was, 
I was watching him in the first half of that game, and I was thinking. I told Justin Verrier, our editor, that I, I was sitting next to. I was like, I was like, he looks tired. He looked winded to me at different times, and I got thinking. I was like, if you think about like the past, it's just been a media circus for him. Like, I feel like life needs to settle down for Vic a little bit because you think about it, he ended their season. You know, I forget it was probably like a month ago, a couple, like, couple weeks ago, really. It, well, yeah, right, it's, yeah, it's like. Yeah. The train leaves, you know, the train leaves the station fast in terms of conditioning. If you played almost 50 games, highly competitive. Yeah. Then he comes here flying across the world doing all these interviews as the number one pick. He did look fatigued for sure. Yeah. You you can get conditioning can become a problem quickly in the NBA. If you think about just the pace of how how quickly things turn over. He definitely looked a little bit winded. Um it had the it if he wasn't making shots, you know, when we it, it kind of hammers home how special what we saw in October was, the fact that he was making shots. If it's hinging on that with him, like the offense stuff can be a little bit ugly. But we saw I thought his passing looked good at different times. I oh, thought he was the downhill drive, the little interior wraparound feed. Yeah, I Beautiful. mean, he hit yeah. like a little like one-two cross and got to the rim and, and did like a shovel pass to I forget if it was Barlow or Champagne, but uh, it was an awesome drop off. Um, but the the shooting, he kept settling, which made me think too that he was probably a little winded. We just didn't see him attacking his spots. Not, not a as lot of full court sprints and transition either. He, he, I mean, he did seem fatigued. I mean, I think with Wemby ultimately. It was disappointing. He showed some of the warts on offense mm-hmm. where as a, as a rookie, he's going to have to get adjusted to defenses, digging in with help, stripping at the ball when he's handling at his size. Like it, it is, you know, it is physically a difficult thing to do to be that size and to have the good handles that he does. They work sometimes, but for him, that'll probably have to be an adjustment in the half court, dealing with those really smart, athletic, quick defenders coming over and help. I mean, we saw, I don't forget. I forget how many times we saw that. At two, three, four times in the game where defenders swiped at him and mm-hmm. forced uh, you know him to pick up the ball and make an awkward pass or just turn it over. Yeah, he. I, I think they're going to have a little more. You know, once they get into the season, I think the scheme is going to be a little bit more structured. But he's not going to be eating a full diet of dessert of just like cooking, you know, dancing with the ball and then like that kind of stuff. Like Mets ninety two was use the word lab again. That's what it was. Like that was an open construct for him. That's why he went there, right? I mean, that's why that's why he went there was to to work on those things and to work on his on ball stuff. And I just think. It'll be a little more structured. I don't think that we're going to be seeing that as much from him. Like you said, like him, him dancing with the ball, it's, yeah, he's going to be vulnerable. He's, he's still, he's got low with his dribble a lot. He did a lot of really impressive stuff on that front. Um, and it's but, a quick dribble too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the defensive stuff I think is going to translate. I guess it's more of an over. Right away. I, mean, I wonder, I, I wanted to ask you, do you, Waz posed this question. He was saying that he had some people in his life that were saying that they thought that it would be, he would be scoring an easy 15 points like as a rookie. What's your over-under on that for, for Wimby, you think, points-wise? How about, how about 17 and a half? Okay. So you you do feel like he'll he'll get 15 pretty easy? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It also depends on if the Spurs make any other moves. They still have $15 million in cap space. Could there be a trade that they make to you know take money into space with a veteran player or another young, impressive player? Could they be a hero team or a maxi team? kind of in that Damian Lillard situation so it's hard to know at this point but at this current moment I'd set it at 17 and a half yeah Uh, with their offense Devin Vassell is going to get a lot of touches he'll probably go up to closer to 25 points per game Keldon Johnson Trey Jones I mean they have a lot of guys on that team and I I think for Victor Webb and Yama 
that'll also have to do with just simply three point percentage. Yeah. Is he sub thirty percent still as an NBA rookie, like he was this past season, or does that number improve further, like it has every year? His free throw percentage has improved every year overseas. He's at over eighty percent now. He was over forty percent on mid range twos. A lot of tough pull ups. So does that three point percentage go up? How many does he take? Do they use him in pick and pops, or are they just like we want to simplify the game for you? Use you use you as a screen and roller and post up player and develop him in other ways i don't know i look forward to seeing the way popovich uses him i'm not sure what to expect how do you think they should use him i I was gonna say on the shooting too before i talk about how they're gonna use him uh, i i definitely think he's gonna be low 30s if he i mean he might i just have a feeling you know so that's still up though low 30s is higher than (laughs) sub 30 yeah yeah, it's (laughs) i'm pretty good at math uh, no well i mean i'm saying it's it's i guess that's not the best uh it does make you feel a little sickly i i guess it kind of comes down to the types the types of threes you know because not every three is the same you know not every player can do what a movement shooter does there's they're you know big difference and what what he's going to be allowed to do if he's shooting like a lot of dribble pull up threes it's going to be low 30s if it's 30 at all if he's just shooting pops, so how should they use him I, I i think that um i definitely think that like the at the end of the day if you were going to run off it if you were approaching it like this and you were saying like okay we want to build an offense around him not necessarily like him being the thing that like moves through i still think having him be stationary somewhere in the mid-range is probably the way to go because he's quick and long enough to take a couple strides and get to the basket he can see over the top of defenses we've seen him hit those fades those dirt kind of duranty kind of fades i think the like dribbling into his offense part of it is going to have to be a lot smaller piece of the pie like we saw it was fun the highlights were really fun it's going to be a little too erratic and more grow into it over his nba journey and and i think with with him that's a perfect game plan city sissoko his teammate drafted in the second round defensively he's been absolutely awesome nobody can get by him offensively has a long way to go maybe we see him with the austin spurs that's where dominic barlow last year out of overtime elite he was an undrafted free agent even though he put up big numbers for ote he was undrafted he signs a two-way with the spurs he really excels in their g league system all year he does pretty well with his opportunities in the nba he's been great the california classic games he was great he was really good i thought yesterday Six ten. you know he's he's a versatile guy he can be out on the perimeter a little bit tough on defense i was very impressed by him as well so the spurs have a lot of good young players hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
Scoot Henderson played only one game at Las Vegas Summer League, unfortunately, because of a shoulder injury. But I was fortunate to get 25, 30 minutes to talk with him. We broke down film, talked about his game. Here's some of that. Scoot Henderson had his jumper going early in his Blazers debut, hitting three pull-ups in the first six minutes. The defense was going under screens, so I asked him about his mindset facing that type of defense. I'm going to take a bunch of those. Every time they do it, I'm not going gonna, gonna to shoot every time I want to do that. So if I'm feeling comfortable doing that, which I am every single time, you know, they're going to stop going under. So you're, are you expecting early in your career for defenses to go under a lot of screens kind of until you prove yourself yeah. as a shooter? Yeah, I don't really have to prove much. You know, hopefully they keep going under so I keep wide open shots. <laughs> what level do you think you could reach as a shooter? Do you think? I think I could reach a very high level. Scoot did start missing jumpers after his hot start, ending up at 3 of 9 for the game. And the jumper is important for him because the greater the threat he is from 3, the more it's going to open drives to the basket. Little hezzy action. Mm-hmm. I know he's going to try to definitely block it, so <laughs> kind of fooled him with the up and under. See the little pace right there, you know, coming down fast, and then a little pound dribble to slow down, you know, get him, you know, on his heels a little bit. Uh, not so much ready. <laughs> and then, uh, you were feeling good after that. Yep. Yeah, I was just playing my game, having fun with it. I should have dunked his ass. Do you wish you went up for the dunk there? Yeah, I definitely did. So, like, mid, so you're in this situation. What are you thinking about right now? You said you should have dunked. Are you thinking dunk at all right now? Or are you I'm thinking just... dunk for sure. Mm-hmm. But dude, he had he had came over help. I'm like, oh, I could have jumped off too. So yeah, yeah. With Scoot's football player frame, he projects as a player who can finish and draw a lot of fouls. But when he's on the attack, it's also his playmaking that's his best skill right now, and he loves to make kickouts. Trying to get in here, and uh, he plays plays pretty bad defense here. You know, we're trying to send me to the baseline or whatever, but that's not really good. There's no help. You know, they're coming over late. They got to contest, so it's kind of leaves a spray wide open. For sure. I was fun. It was fun just getting a chance this year. You know, attracting everybody in the paint and, you know, finding Chris. That's, mm-hmm. that's the main goal, you know, and get in there and find my teammates, so. Later in the game, the Blazers designed an inbound play for Scoot to lob the ball to last year's lottery pick, Shade and Sharp, and here's how it went. Oh, see, when we get that down, it's over with, man. Oh, my God. When we get that down, because it was, it was right there. He definitely just flat. It's gonna yeah, be. He guy, this guy is done for. <laughs> once you get the chemistry. Once you get that, it's over. It's going to be showtime. How would you describe Shaden Sharp to somebody who's never watched him play? Super skilled. He can do everything on the floor, man. You know, I love, love playing with guys that, that just go out there and play to win. You know, and, and that's what he does. You know, he can shoot his very well. He can attack the basket. As you can see, he dunked, he dunked on uh, Jay Huff, a uh, very good shot blocker. So, yeah. uh, you know, that just tells you, you know, who he is as a player. For my full Q&A with Scoot Henderson, visit TheRinger.com. We'll be back on Beyond the Arc after the break. I'm here with Wozniak Lambre at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. We're watching all these young teams put out their young talent on the floor. Rookies, second-year guys, occasional third-year guys. 
I'm thinking about how the Sacramento Kings last year, they draft Keegan Murray. They put him in with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. They have all this young talent. They go from 30 wins to 48 wins. They make the biggest leap. They stop their streak without making the playoffs. Is there a team that you have on your mind watching these teams based off their summer league, their summer moves, their drafts that you think could take that type of big leap, 15 plus win change this coming season? Yeah, that's kind of an easy call for me. It's the Indiana Pacers because mm-hmm. I was on them last year to start the league. I just love their style of play. They played with incredible pace all year. Halliburton had a breakout season, um, was rewarded with a nice little contract this summer. <laughs> uh, but he got hurt, and it kind of derailed what they were doing last year. So I think with him actually playing a solid chunk of the games, Ben Matherin was a revelation last year. Of course, in the offseason, they've added Obi Toppin, who I love, even if Tibbs hates There's him. There's something more to his game. I, every, There's something. I feel like something yeah. can be unlocked, and I think he is such a perfect fit for what they're doing as far as the pace stuff. He is an incredible open court player, high motor guy, great finisher. Him and Halliburton and picking and rolls and just within the flow of that offense is going to be fun. And then, of course, Brucey e. B, Bruce mm-hmm. Brown. Signed for a nice contract. I mean, they signed Bruce Brown. Good team-friendly deal as well. $20 million in the first year, then a team option in the second year. They also draft Jarris Walker, who's a really nice fit in that front court with Miles Turner. Versatile, beefy, 6'8", big man. Like, they could play some interesting lineups. And all of these guys, Halliburton being the center of it as the primary ball handler, it feels like it kind of all works around him. Yeah, and I think, obviously, they've improved the roster via the acquisitions, but also... They can count on internal improvement because their key guys are so young. So Halliburton, I thought, was a bona fide all-star player. This was not some fringe guy, sort of all-star reserve. He was the best point guard in the Eastern Conference for large parts of last season. So I'm just excited to see where he takes it going forward, of course. He could be, a, like I think, a, if he if they gave him the touches, if he demands the ball as a scorer, he could be a 25-plus point-per-game guy. He's, He's got to want to score 25, though. 100%. That hasn't really been his temperament in the past. But I think to take the team to the next level, he has to do that. And, and we haven't even mentioned our boy Miles Turner, mm-hmm. who had a resurgent season – he had been trying to tell those people he was better, better than Sabonis that whole time. <laughs> they finally traded him, and I think he got to prove what his worth is, man. I was excited to watch Miles hoop the way that he did last year. So to me, the Pacers are the team that I'll be watching to make a market improvement. And it's not even that they're going to be better, Kev. I just think their style of play is so appealing and people are going to want to get behind that. I'm with you on Indiana 100%. They have 35 wins last year. I could see them in the high 40s for sure, especially if Halliburton takes even more of a leap. I, I, I had him as one of the 15 best guys in the NBA last year. I think you know a lot of people this coming season will maybe kind of match me there. We'll mm. see what happens with his development. I want to throw some other teams at you that sure. could potentially take a leap. You tell me if there's no chance or if there is a chance with these guys. Orlando Magic, 34 wins last year. I've I haven't been on the Magic train the way other people have, although I am a huge believer in Paolo and what he's able to do. I thought he showed a lot for a rookie, for them to entrust him with the offense. and Franz Wagner, very good as well in that Franz front court. Franz Wagner, another guy that I slept on, um, but he's he's a killer. 
uh, just uh, just multi-dimensional as a weapon. I just want to see what they get out of their guards. Um, because in the past, that's kind of been their Achilles heel. Of course, they've tried to address it in the draft. They've brought um, different guys in. But I want to see what they can do at the guard position. I'm still a guy who thinks Jalen Suggs is sort of, at his best, could be a sort of Kyle Lowry light. I don't think he's going to be as good as Kyle Lowry, but I, I'm excited to see what he does in his development. And, yeah, I, I just think what they're missing right now, that's why they everybody was attaching them to guys like Fred Van Vliet because the guard position has been their Achilles heel for years now. So I'll keep my eye on that, right? If they can get quality front court play, they'll be in the mix. How about the... Pistons. They had 17 wins last year. Cade Cunningham barely plays. Yeah. Get him back this coming season. They draft Osar Thompson in the lottery. They get Marcus Sasser in the late first round. They, they still have, you know, Bogdanovich. They have some veterans mixed with them. Jalen Duran in his second year. The Pistons take a leap with Cade back. Man, I think, honestly, it's all on Cade. This is his third year, and this is typically when we see guys – of the caliber that I think I believe that he is um, make that sort of jump into, you know, prominent big time guy. He just didn't, he hasn't played right. Uh, I believe in his work ethic. I believe in the type of professionalism that he brings to every situation, but he's got to put it on the court this year. I think even in his rookie year, he showed some advanced stuff on the ball in pick and roll, if not in, you know, ISO situations, right? But he's already shown that his understanding of NBA defenses and how to manipulate an attack is pretty advanced at his age, but he's got to put it on the floor this year. And last one, two teams that won 22 games last year, the Rockets and the Spurs. They both have top picks. They get a lot of young talent on each respective <laughs> roster. The Rockets have a new coach, and Ime Odoka. The Spurs, they have a coach they've had for a long time, and Greg Popovich. Which team wins, wins more games next year? I think the Rockets are actually going to win more games next year mm. because I think their operation has gotten so much more professionalized just by signing Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet and Odoka together, yes. Yes. Um, these are accountability guys. And so all of that, if you watch the and Rockets. And Dylan Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, Dylan stop. Brooks is going to take 20 Kev, shots stop, a game. Kev, stop. Here's the thing. I, like, that was That's one, an argument against Houston. No, seriously, because I was like, okay, accountability, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. professionalism. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, we're doing this with the Van Vliet signing. And to bring Dylan Brooks in, not only to bring him in, but to bring him in at that number, meaning you've empowered him yeah. to be one of the more prominent guys on the team. I hope, I hope by empowering him, it's, you know elite defense like we've seen her in but not 15 shots per game hopefully it's 10 shots per game and i think what they're counting on is Ime's ability to mf these guys like with marcus smart right exactly that was the best version of smart we ever saw was exactly. under a guy that could look these guys in the eye and be like look you're, you're not doing things right i'm <laughs> unlike taylor jenkins who's like hey equal opportunity Do whatever everybody, everybody get touches yeah and look it's hard it's hard because dylan brooks was so integral to the turnaround in memphis and so the guys over there looked at him as a big part of that so how can they tell him to rein himself in if him being him was part of what turned that entire franchise around right Right? Um, and so I think a change of scenery will help. And I do think a guy like Ime is going to help that situation. But 
as far as the Spurs are concerned, I think even yesterday when we watched Wembenyama play, I think people have tempered their expectations that he might not be Moses, Jesus Christ, and John the Baptist <laughs> rolled into one this year. To stack right? on top of each other. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> this year he might not be that. And so, you know, it's a wait-and-see developmental situation going on with the Spurs. But we know they're going to play quality ball. They're going to bring it every single night. I just don't think they're going to have the requisite talent to sort of make it into the 30 upper 30s mm. low 40s type of team this year well was when we're back we'll talk about damian lord <laughs> let's please do that welcome back to beyond the arc here with Wazzy lambray was I know you have a bone to pick with me I about do. my Miami Heat stance that their offer is weak I do. for Damian Lillard. What's on your mind? Please I do, fire I away. I, look, I was on my couch having a nice little beverage, and I don't know if it was a tweet or a thread or a snap. I don't know where you posted it because we know you're Kevin O'Connor. It, it was on you're Beyond everywhere. the Arc on FanDuel. That's what oh. it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's so platform diverse, it's hard to keep up with you. But just the idea that Miami has a quote unquote weak. Mm-hmm. Offer what they're offering is Tyler Hero and multiple first picks, first round picks. Nobody else has come to the table with that. So to call Miami's offer weak relative to who and what, if there was an offer that Portland was bowled over by, if you know, say somebody came in the way Phoenix did for Kevin Durant and offered this premium young piece on a great deal plus all of these future firsts and all of these swaps then i'd be like you know what kev you have a point that offer doesn't exist miami actually has the best offer on the table and i think we've we're seeing that where at the beginning we're hearing about teams like the nets or maybe utah or maybe san antonio as potential suitors who are now becoming guys that are going to be able to facilitate dame to miami it's not a weak offer when you consider the fact that one you don't want to bring in a guy who doesn't have buy-in although we know dame to be who he is right he's made his name in the league as being we agree on that all the reports about him not showing up to camp like that's bogus that would absolutely never happen and by the way to that point because i hear a lot of guys talking about portland and they're they're the damsel in distress and we (laughs) we have to save portland and then so they came to damian lillard last year and told him to sit why is going to improve our odds in the lottery which is going to improve our ability to make this team better (laughs) this happened this has actually happened they had to tell dame lillard not to play Right, So this is the type of guy we're talking about. We got a chance at the play, and I want to play. I want to be there. I want to be in the playoffs. I'm about winning. So when the franchise takes a different turn, that's what the guy, the guy wants. And Miami is just sitting there waiting. And again, they have the best offer for a guy at his age, his position, a league full of starting point guards. You know, it's not a bevy of suitors out there. Miami happens to be well-situated, and Dame happens to want to go there. And I think when you talk about – because I want to talk about your proposal specifically. Well, Time well, for, Lord, well, for, well, no, no, first who thing. Who never plays. For, no, first on that heat offer, the best offer is a weak offer. 
That's the thing with the Miami Heat. There, the it might be the best offer, but, but it's weak. And if I'm Kelly, Portland, I'm not taking that crap. So they're bringing Dame back yeah. to win games. I, I mean, I'm bringing. They want to win games. I'm Portland? dragging this out because I'm not taking that offer if I'm the Portland Trailblazers. It's not a competitive offer compared to what the Utah Jazz got from Mitchell compared to any of these type okay. of trades for guards like that. Well, here's the thing: these trades don't happen in a vacuum. Kev. No, they don't. They happen in real life. But Damian Lillard's better than those guys, and if I'm Portland, I, I'm I expect at least Fair. four five first round Fair. draft picks i don't want tyler hero Fair. i want those picks so the deal needs to include a third team a fourth team which it seems like they're working that's what's on happening that's what's happening but if you're portland you mentioned these other deals the celtics can't do better right now they can at least be comparable if they were to flip jalen brown to say houston get picks that seems unrealistic it could be it could be comparable but it's not better the teams that can do better they're hoping for are san antonio which rebuild which seems like it's not going to happen at this point it's utah which they were better than anticipated last year if they didn't tank their way out of the plan you think danny ainge wants to do this type of thing i think bring damon to his i think danny ainge would want to if if the, like Damian Lillard is his Kevin Garnett. If he can find his Ray Allen, sure, then he could do things. Like if it's Paul George or Pascal Siakam also coming with Damian Lillard, then I think he would do that. That gets you excited. Yeah. Pascal Siakam. If, I like Siakam a lot. In Salt Lake City. <laughs> Siakam's a good player. I, I love Pascal Siakam <laughs> as a player, but the idea that you're going to revert your rebuild in order to build a Pascal Siakam Dame team. That doesn't make any sense. And to the Portland point, if these guys, from what they've shown on the Portland side, Cronin and his crew, mm -hmm. they believe in these young guys so much, right? They're the crown jewel of the franchise. Shade and sharp. That you uh, cannot move scoot. them yes. for actual proof. So you vets. think Portland should be going the other way and building around Damian Lillard, who just had the best no, individual no, 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 season no, no, of his no, career? No, that's no. not what I'm saying. I'm saying no. if you've designated these young guys as the future in the franchise, why are you going to start that process with an unhappy Dame in camp? After Cronin, nobody asked him to do this. Maybe they might. They maybe they won't. Maybe they'll take the Miami offer if there's literally nothing better at no, the end but, of the day. But what I'm saying, why Portland can't just sit and wait? After Cronin comes out, nobody asked him to acknowledge mm -hmm. the trade request in public. He did specifically. it. Mm -hmm. He did that. And so, therefore, when Dame comes into camp and starts the season, that's what your season is now about. With the young guys that you're trying to build a culture and a whole team around. That doesn't make any sense. Just take your Miami offer. Nah. Eat your freaking vegetables and move you, on. You got to play this out. And here's why. We're talking about all these other teams. If Boston does something crazy and flips Brown, if the Spurs step up and try to accelerate around Wemby. No, 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 no. But, but the team that we're not talking about enough is the Sixers. The Sixers are the team that have reason to actually do something wild right now. James Harden doesn't want to be there. Daryl Morey's in a position where he needs to maximize Joel Embiid. So the deal that I think could be the greatest threat to the Heat would actually come from the Sixers, where they send Harden to the Clippers for one future first. Maybe you get Terrence Mann back, expiring salaries. And then they send Maxi to a team like the Spurs or the Jazz, a team that has a surplus of first-round picks where they're like, oh, we'll give you three. We'll sure. give you, like the Spurs could give a top one protected Celtics pick in 2028. They could give two future Hawks picks, a team that a lot of teams would like to bet against. Atlanta, 
they could give three firsts for Tyrese Maxey in the last year of his rookie deal. And then suddenly the Sixers could have five first round picks to give in a deal. Maybe they can give swaps in that situation as well. They could give Tobias Harris to give the Blazers a salary cap cap relief that they want in a deal where Hero would be flipped elsewhere. So I think for Portland, you at least got to play this out and see if that type of offer actually becomes available for them. You have to play it out. Here's the thing. Tyrese Maxey is not a three first round pick I think he player. could be I think he could be He is absolutely not I think he could be He's, he's in n- he's in his young 20s <laughs> and he just scored 20 points for a game okay. and he would be a perfect fit on a team Kev, like the Spurs We just did this at the trade deadline with OG Ananobi mm-hmm. Four first round picks allegedly sure. Nobody yeah, bit. But, but OG's not like a, an initiator of the offense. OG has proven he that's one of his weakest points of his game. But his, his, that's what Ty, Tyrese Maxey is awesome in the half his, court. Here's the problem with your argument, Kev. The playoffs happened two months ago. We watched Tyrese mm-hmm. Maxey, who you called awesome. Yeah, the Sixers, the Sixers the are a mess. The Sixers was, are a mess. Like, it's just not a great situation, this that is, team. This is the thing about guys. Harden was a mess, and Bede had poor games. He was hurt. This is the thing, Kev. This is the thing about guys who are available to be traded. Mm-hmm. They're not that awesome. And so the idea that for a guy that awesome we watch. Awesome for a young player. Let me clarify there. Not awesome in a vacuum, but awesome. Like for a young player, you could be feeling good about his future. Do you like? Do you not like? Do you not like Tyrese Maxey? Maybe, maybe we just disagree on his upside. I have an affinity for Tyrese Maxey's game, but is he? What is he on a team that's trying to accomplish something for real? I think with the like, let's just say, say the team that let, he plays. Let's for. just say. Well, no, let's not talk about the Sixers because he's, he's being traded in this scenario. Okay. For the Spurs, he's your guy that you grow in a backcourt. You want Popovich. You grow with a multi-ball handler offense. Sometimes it's Wemby. Sometimes it's Vassell. Maxi. They don't really have that future guard. Maxie's so good off ball, and now he's playing with stagnant Joel Embiid and James Harden. I mean, it's the, wor- it's the worst possible situation for Tyrese Maxie to be in as a young player to blossom. I think the Spurs or the Jazz, these teams that play with motion, could bring out the best version of Tyrese Maxie. So I think three firsts that aren't even your own is really not the most significant price to pay, especially from the Spurs side of things. The Hawks were the team that overpaid to get DeJounte Murray, who is super inefficient in the half court great defender to be fair good playmaker but san antonio if they could turn two of those first into tyrese maxi and then give one other first i I just think something like that makes sense for san antonio again again uh, this is why i feel like this this conversation is very circular is tyrese maxi a materially better player than Dejounte murray he is not not right now nobody would say not today And so, not today. But we have to deal with him as he is but he today. Will, he will be better. Oh, he will. Be. He will okay. be better. I think he could be better as soon as this coming season. Got to put you on the payroll, because <laughs> you absolutely love. Well, he he fans he fans think I'm trying to force him out of Miami. I'm just stating the facts that the best offer is a weak offer, and yeah. Portland's trying to wait for something better, but which they should do. But, but Kev, sometimes that's the case, mm-hmm. right? People slammed the Wizards for the deal that they made for Bradley Beal. But guess what? No They're trade. four years late on a trade. And no trade clause, too. Of course. So the best offer mm-hmm. was a weak offer. Yes. But it was the best offer. Mm-hmm. It was. And the best offer is the Heat <laughs> offer. For now. Okay. For, for now. now. 
<laughs> we'll see how this plays out, Waz. I look forward to talking with you later this year after, I don't know, the Sixers get Damian Or I'll bring you back when the, right. when, when the Heat land, Dame. Right. Thank you for joining me on Beyond the Arc. My brother, always a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Waz.